This is the Ezra Podcast. And we got another undisputed fight. It seems like we're having this every other week now. We have an undisputed fight. And this is Devin Haney versus George Cambosos. Or is it George Cambosos versus Devin Haney since Cambosos is technically the one that's... I don't even know what happened with the Tiafimo thing. Was he undisputed? Wasn't he? Uh, if you look on like Wikipedia on like the four-bout era, they don't even acknowledge... Um, T-Female, they, they, there's like an asterisk to it. So I'm guessing Cambosos is not undisputed. This will finally settle. And he, he will be undisputed if he wins this fight. Or uh, Haney will be undisputed if he wins this fight. Now, you know where I stand with the whole undisputed. And, you know, it's, it's not all created equal. No, if Haney wins this, it's not the best undisputed run I've ever seen. Or equal to any of the really, uh, some of the other undisputed runs that there are. Such as Bernard Hawkins, Usyk. Um, hell, I even said even Jermaine Taylor who had to beat Hopkins. He basically did what Haney did, just beat one guy to become undisputed. But I mean, that was Bernard Hopkins who's beating. And I, I just I have hold Bernard Hopkins just you know uh, higher than George Camposo. Call me crazy with that, but I, I just do. But I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a great matchup. Don't, don't like I'm not trying to put down this matchup. It's a great matchup. It really is. George Camposo's coming off his biggest win. He's undefeated. Beat Tiafimo. A huge upset. Devin Haney coming off his best performance against um, Jojo Diaz, which I thought was the best of the top guys, right? The four kings or, you know, including Lomachenko. The best matchup, the person that had the toughest matchup last year of those four guys was Devin Haney. I've been saying this. I, I keep saying this on my podcast. And this year, so far, of all the top guys at 135, the guys that had the best matchup is, again, Devin Haney. Right, it's better than Rilly Romero. It's better than Tago. It was better than uh, Gamboa for Isak Cruz. And I'm putting Isak Cruz in there very, very, very gingerly with the top names. But it, it's more public perception than it is my opinion. Because I think that Jojo Diaz honestly would beat Isak Cruz. I think Ryan Garcia would beat Isak Cruz. So, just on Devin Haney, it just, he, he's, he's putting in the names that he, he, that he should be fighting, right? He's going up, and the guys he can get and the guys that are possible to fight, he's fighting them, and they're tough opponents, and they're tougher than anyone's fighting at the weight class right now. He, he's fighting the, the better names. Now, does that mean that I think that he would beat everyone at 135 if he beats George Campbell's? No, but no matter what, I, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. It's all about what you do in the ring, and he's doing more in the ring than the other guys are doing. And there's a lot of heated debates on whose you know, resume is better, him or Tanks, and you look at Tanks' resume, his best win is uh, Leo Santa Cruz, who, uh, you know, wasn't uh, a guy that was really 130 pounds. And my rule was, I'm not going to give you credit for, um, like, if you go up and wait, right, and then you lose, and someone says, like, well, he was undersized. If he never goes back down, then he wasn't undersized. That's his weight. But it looks like Leo Santa Cruz is going to go back down 126. I think it was pretty clear that he was undersized at 130. So Tank got that win, but it, it seems like it was kind of an undersized Leo Santa Cruz. Still a good win, though. He beats Pedraza. He's the first guy to beat Pedraza. Uh, Lomachenko goes on to beat Pedraza as well. And Pedraza doesn't go on to really win any really big fights from that point on. Even loses to uh, Jose Cepeda. He beats um, Barrios, who... Barrios was a little bit of a promotional uh, job done with him. Uh, Barrios was coming up at 140, right? But he was never, 
like a contender or a threat to like a the being the best guy at 140. He was just kind of a guy that was coming up through the PBC, a prospect that they had. And they used Tank moving up to 140 to make it a, a, seem like a tougher fight than than maybe it actually was or should have been. It was a good it was a good fight though. It was Barros had his moments in it, but I don't wouldn't say that he Barros is a notable win. Uh, Barros goes on to lose to Keith Thurman, um, which he actually moves up to 147 pounds. Yeah, I don't think that Barros beating uh, Cowboy Carl, um, you know, makes him a notable win or worthy of like you know debating with anyone on uh, to put it on his resume. Then uh, Tank goes and fights Isak Cruz, and Isak Cruz, like I said, I have I'll mention him with the the the, um, the big names of the division, but he has no like really notable wins, uh, and he has some questionable performances, especially like the one against Francisco Vargas. And he, you know Isak Cruz is competitive in that fight. Uh, Tank does break his hand at one point. Um, maybe that makes it a little more competitive. Sometimes maybe it just could be the way Tank fights, where he like gives rounds up. That makes these fights seem like they're more competitive than they are. Maybe that's a, that's a possibility. We got to see where Isak Cruz goes from here. And he he's gonna definitely have. I think that they're setting up a tank rematch. He's gonna have one more fight before it. There, Ryan Garcia. Uh, you know, there's talks back and forth that Ryan Garcia and him were maybe possibly gonna match up. I never thought that was possible. The first time they talked about it, just by the request that Isak Cruz was making for the fight, I knew that. There wasn't that wasn't a real conversation to be had, but so you know, Tank's resume is not great. It just it just isn't, and it it, it it's not going to get too much better going forward just because of the the opponents in front of him right there, and they're they're not going to fight each other to really solidify their names before they fight Tank. So it's not going to it's going to stay at the same level pretty much that Tank's fighting right now. David Haney has a chance of fighting Cambosos, possibly twice, right? Maybe he, if he beats him so bad this time and Cambosos somehow says, I don't want the rematch, which I don't, it doesn't really make sense to me because I imagine that's a big payday for Cambosos in that rematch. Whether even if it's less than what he's making this time, I still think it's a pretty big payday. So I find it very hard to believe that he's going to lose this fight, even though how bad, however bad it is. And he has his contract that he has an automatic rematch. I don't think him and Lou DeBell are going to be like, yeah, let's pass up on that rematch. I, I really don't. But if he beats Cambosos twice and then goes and fights Lomachenko, like if he fights Lomachenko and beats Lomachenko, no one's going to surpass that. It just isn't. The only way to be to surpass that is if like Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis fight each other. And the winner like that would be like, okay, I'm at least fighting one of the top names uh, and one of the top credible names in our division. But like Lomachenko and Devin Haney and Tank are basically in the conversation right now for like who's the best guy in the weight class. Now Ryan Garcia's just a few more question marks about him. Uh, definitely need to see him do it at a consistent level, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, do it at a higher level more consistently. I mean, but David Haney does that. I mean, he, he's not only the the king of one thirty five. He would also be a free agent at that point with his top rank deal. He would have a mega fight in front of him with either Ryan Garcia or Tank. I think he would be a superstar at that point. And he would have played this perfectly. And all these things, like, to to do these moves and, you know, the guys say, like, chess, not checkers, right? But it's still gamble. Like, you still have to take some chances and you still have to really believe in yourself and 
win these big fights because if he goes and loses to Cambosos right now, right? Say he goes and he does this deal. People are going to call him, oh, this is a stupid deal you took. You took a fight with Cambosos in Australia uh, equal to what you've been getting paid or less. So, you know, who really knows? No one knows. Everybody's going to say they know, but they don't. No one knows. Either equal to what he's been getting paid or less for his biggest fight. And you fought in Australia. And, of course, you weren't going to get on the scorecards. That's what everybody's going to say. That's, the, that's hindsight, right? That's uh, Monday morning quarterbacking. But if you see what they what is possible at the end of this deal, if you see that he could go through Campos twice, uh, to I mean, wherever he's getting paid good for it, and then goes to fight Lomachenko, right? And I think is a pretty big fight. I think Lomachenko is uh, under like underrated as far as the viewership he gets when he fights on TV. And David Haney, who's in a fight that the ESPN is really getting behind. And if he were to win that, the position he puts himself in, he's he's a star at that point. He's a free agent, and he has two mega fights with two networks that, with the zone and Showtime. They would just love to throw money at those fights, and they would have full control of the fight. It's an excellent position, right? And it takes chance. It takes a little bit of gambling. It takes a little bit of uh, calculated risk to get to that point. And that's what Devin Haney's doing. And even if he loses this weekend, I I still saw. To me, the genius in the move and the position where they were going. What's this fight going to look like? Because I'm talking all David Haney. Does George Cambosos have a chance? I think he does. I think he does. It's more because David Haney isn't 100% consistent with his performances. He isn't. He has, I told you, he has, he has good wins. I mean, Linar's a good win. Linar's a little old. But Jojo Diaz is a real good win. But even in that fight, and I had that fight, I scored, to me, and I'm going to say this right now, so, you know, just be 100% honest, I scored that fight a draw. I did. When I watched it back again, there was, it was some close rounds that I thought any acceptable, acceptable scoring range for that would be like 8-4 to 6-6, in my opinion. 8-4 Haney to 6-6, a draw. I didn't see any way you could score a win for Jojo Diaz. I did, I'll put it that I'll put it that way. But... Yeah, Devin Haney isn't consistent with his performances. He starts off very strong, and when he's at his full energy and he's able to use his athleticism, he's able to pick his shots, and his his body doesn't have any delay to it, right? So as far as his head movement and his reaction, he looks damn good. And he starts off the fight, he looks damn good. He looks one of the best fighters in the world. But the problem is, is when he slows down a little bit, right? In the middle round, starts slowing down, starts getting a little repetitive, you start realizing that he's he isn't exactly moving out of range. Like when he ducks his head, he kind of stays in range, right? And he also loses his guard when he ducks his head. He also sometimes stares a little bit too long. Another thing he does, he's very good at picking his shots. But when he throws his right hand, he oversteps with his back foot. And he ends up not only square, but both his feet are right next to each other. So he's out of position. And he's kind of stuck in the position that he's in. So he's able to be countered in that position. Now, if Cambosos is to somehow um, get Haney to follow him, right, to chase him, I think that would be Cambosos' best chance in this fight. I don't think Cambosos going forward is that effective. I really don't. I've seen it against Mickey Bay. I've seen it against uh, uh, Salby. I'm not seeing a high-level fighter when he's going forward. Now, when he's going backwards, he's able to react and use his speed, and you walk into his... um, his flurry of punches, he's definitely, I think, a little bit more controlled, a little more um, 
his like his check hook, his straight right, his one two one two combo are a lot better just going backwards. I think that's what I saw in the TFMO fight. And when TFMO just kept pushing him backwards, pushing him, pushing him, pushing him, looking for that KO, he was really just going into you know, just allowing Cambosos just to react. And that's where he was at his best. I think if he would have said, like, Cambosos, make him come after you, right? The trainers would have caught that in the corner. His dad would have caught that and said, like, make Cambosos uh, create some offense going. I think he would have caught him a lot easier. I mean, Cambosos' head, it's, uh, he's there to be countered. His head gets, gets stuck straight up. He flurries, but he doesn't move his head a lot. He doesn't change the well, the place of his head, especially he's coming forward, especially when he's in the middle of his attack, he's able to be countered. I expect Haney's right hand, straight right hand counter, to be very effective in this fight. Now, there isn't a lot of power from either guy. And I think people kind of want to say Campbell has some kind of power because he dropped uh, Tiafimo. I, I don't see I don't see a lot of power from him. I don't. I see a lot of aggression. I'm sure his shots hurt. I think Devin Haney's shots are... Uh, just as powerful as Cambosos. I'm not seeing a lot of power there, but I, I think you feel uh, Haney's shots. And I think that maybe early on people like feel like, oh, okay, there's nothing behind it. But then after a while, when he's like stinging you with straight shots and a stiff jab, I think I start to feel it. I even think Joel Diaz started to feel it later in that fight. Is Haney, what strategy going to use in this fight? I don't. Like that when people say, oh, you know, Haney makes these fights harder on himself when he, you know, he could just outbox these guys, but he's actually going for the knockout. And it's not true. I mean, Haney's fighting pretty much the way he fights every fight. I know it's, it's, it's not the case that Haney has switched his style up recently. That That's not true. Haney likes to fight in the middle of the ring. He likes to pick his shots. He's very creative with the shots. He has a very wide um, range of shots. He's able to. He has skills with his uh, punches and the motions of them to fit shots in wherever there's an opening, right? So if you're in the middle of it, you stand in front of Haney and you got your guard up, he's going to find the opening and he'll be able to position his punches to fit that opening. He's very creative with the shots. He's one of the best guys doing that actually today. But that's been his style. His style has not gotten more aggressive recently. It isn't. In the Leonardo's fight, I think he was landing. And if Haney lands a lot, he's going to continuously look. To he, he he does get, um, I wouldn't say greedy, but when he's landing and he's effective with it, he's going to keep pushing it. He's not a guy to like, I'm landing, but I'm going to play it safe. No, he's not really like that. He'll push his stuff, but he doesn't have a lot of power. So maybe as he continues to do that, then guys just start maybe exchanging with him, right? And like I said, I think his shots, you know, you start feeling his shots. So we start feeling his shots, you're like, okay, I need to do something to get him off me, or I can't just stand here while he's picking shots away from me. And then guys start to exchange with him, and I think that's where Haney could get in trouble. Like I said, the middle of the fight, second half of the fight is when Haney starts to slow down a little bit. It's just, his reflexes aren't the, when they're not the sharpest, the, the chances he takes, they get him caught a little bit. And he's, like I said, he's able to be countered. With Campbell's not having power, though, is he going to be able really to make Haney um, pay for those mistakes, right? Or is he going to be able to have the second half that Leonardo's, you know, the little glimpse that Leonardo's had? Is, is Campbell's going to be able to have that? I'm not sure. I think, honestly, that this fight kind of goes with David Haney outboxing him pretty cleanly the early parts of the, uh, the first half of the fight. Going into the second half, maybe Campbell gets a little more competitive. He's able to land a little bit more, like I said, when he starts slowing down a little bit. But I don't ever think that he makes a run in the second half. 
to secure this fight. I think Haney will be able to control it. Like I said, I think it'll be a, maybe a little bit more shakier at the end. I think that the opinions, uh, people are expecting like some, I've been saying the, the Mayweather Gotti performance, right? People want that performance. Uh, De La Hoya Chavez, number two, before De La Hoya Chavez, number one performance. I don't think, I don't think you're going to get that here. And I think that everyone is waiting to crown Haney as the next guy as a King 135. And he's probably, he's going to, like I said, he's going to get anyways because if he beats Cambosos, just because he's going to have the best resume at 135. But I think everybody's ready to crown him as like this performance is going to solidify him as the top guy and the guy to beat. And I think that it's not, I think it's going to be once again a little shaky at the end. I think Kempos will show a little bit competitive uh, competitiveness at the end. I think a few shots will get hit in here and there. And people will always kind of feel like, will Haney hold up against Tank later in the fight? Will he hold up against Lomachenko later in the fight? If Ryan is still pushing in the second half of the fight, like is he going to avoid all the big shots from Ryan Garcia? I always feel like you're kind of going to feel that. And I feel like that's what we're going to leave with this performance. He's, he's going to keep racking up these solid wins. But he's still just not going to have the complete performance that people want to see him have and to, you know, really push him to the top of the weight division. And that's just really off perspective. Like I said, his resume will be, um, I don't even think it could be argued at that once he beats Cambosos, right? Who has the best resume at 135? And I'm not high on Cambosos. I'm not. I'm letting you know that right now. But of the matchups, I'm higher on him than I am Roley. I'm higher on him than I am Tago. I am. I'm higher on him than I am Gamboa. So, to me, Haney's fighting the tough guys. The toughest guys out there, Haney's taking them. The ones he can get. Now, will I put Haney on my pound-for-pound list if he gets this win? No. No. Okay, I'm not doing that. My pound-for-pound list is a resume pound-for-pound list. So, it's not even like, you know, the make-believe ones where you, like, think, like, well, if he was a heavyweight, he would beat everyone. I'm not doing that. If Camposos won, though, and this might piss people off, he might enter my pound-for-pound list because he would have a win over Tiafimo and then Devin Haney. And I don't know if that's, you know, it makes sense to me when I say it, but I don't know if that's, like, strange to say and people would be like, well, what the hell? How does that work? But he would have a win after Tiafimo right after Lomachenko. Tiafimo would be Lomachenko. And he had a win after Devin Haney right after Devin Haney beat Jojo Diaz. Now, I understand that Cambosos just beat Tiafimo, but performances before that are, like I said, his performances before that, if I eliminate his best performance against Tiafimo, eliminate his worst, it's just kind of an average fighter in there, right? It's It's nothing that says to me, like, this is a great fighter. And there's no wins in there to tell me that this is a great fighter. So I... I feel like that was just a good night for him, but I want to see it consistent, uh, consistently before I start, you know, really rewarding guys for beating Ken Mosles, right? And that's kind of unfair maybe to Haney in a way, but I just don't believe that that would make him a pound for pound my in my pound for pound top 10. I don't know how that could eliminate someone that's in there for, for Haney beating Ken Bosos and for him beating Jojo Diaz and Leonardo's. It's just, it's just, I just can't do it. I can't make that leap. Now, he beats Ken Bosos and then goes and beats Lomachenko. Well, of course. Right, he'll have wins over Jojo Diaz, Cambosos, and Lomachenko. Yes, and then of course he, he it looks like he would be entering my top ten. Like I said, like the 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 pound for pound top ten is stacked right now. It's stacked, and every week it seems like there's a guy fighting that will affect someone's. It should affect your top ten. 
they have two guys this week that, that could possibly affect your top 10. You got the Haney, Cambosos fighting, right? And then we have Fulton and Roman. But before I get to the fight, I'm just going to put my prediction in. I'm going to take Haney by decision. Like I, said, like I said, I think he dominates early. I think his jab is going to be very effective. I think he's going to, his straight right hand will be very effective. And I think his counters with his right hand are going to be very effective. I think later in the fight, it'll tighten up a little bit. But Haney will have already a big lead. Maybe closer to the way the Leonardo's fight looks. But I don't think Campbell has the power to have those highlights in the second half. I think it gets maybe a little bit more competitive, but I expect Haney to win a good decision in this fight. Like I said, the the tightening up in the second half might change the perspective of what really happened in this fight. But I'm going to take Haney to win, and he's going to get another, uh, keep racking up good Ws and moving on to, you know, bigger fights. And let's see if he can honestly beat Campbell so bad that they're willing to give up the payday in that second fight. The other fight that would affect your pound for pound, have to affect your pound for pound, is Stephen Fulton versus Danny Roman. Now, Stephen Fulton um, really broke out onto the scene last year with um, wins over Angela Leo to start the year and ending with Brandon Figueroa. Right? And Brandon Figueroa was probably, you know, fight of the year. Uh, I, think every, I think pretty much, I don't know, I feel like everybody pretty much, oh, no, no, no. Am I talking about Fury uh, Wilder was fight of the year, but uh, Figueroa uh, Fulton was a, a very good uh, you know runner up for that. But Fulton, to me, hopped in my top ten uh, with these wins and with you know the way he came up with fighting undefeated fighters. It was um, it was he came up he really earned it. And I remember when he was gonna fight Angela Leo the first time before he got COVID and had to pull out. I was really really excited to see him have that that fight and get that um, attention and that performance that I knew he was going to have against Leo. And I knew this knew that he was a very high-level fighter from watching him on like all his fights on YouTube. But he gets up getting COVID and I thought, I'm like, oh man, you know, that was a big opportunity miss. I hope he gets it back. I think that um, Showtime knew, the promotions knew that this guy, we got to get him back. We got to give him another opportunity. He fights Leo. He does the, he, it's a very competitive fight actually, but he, he clearly wins. He fights Figueroa. That's a extremely competitive fight, a war, a fight that I felt he won. Um, a lot of people, you know, it swings back and forth, but it's just a close fight. He gets a W. It is what it is. He gets he gets the win. Now he goes to fight Danny Roman. And I think that when people think he's fighting Danny Roman, maybe they're forgetting how Roman fights or something like that. But I think they're kind of expecting similar things to Angel Leo or Figueroa. They're like Roman's going to put this pressure and um, Fulton's going to have them, you know, move back and fight off the ropes and all these things, but that, I don't think that's how this fight's going to play out. I think this fight's going to be a, thinker, a thinking man's fight in the middle of the ring. And I think that Roman is going to try to box Fulton. And I think that Roman, to me, defensively, is better than Fulton. I think Fulton kind of defensively has a lot of major flaws, especially on the inside. Now, on the outside, when he's able to use his legs, he's able to see and react and use reflexes a lot more. He's, he's more effective defensively and can counter off stuff. But on the inside, like someone gets on the end of him, he just loses all his awareness to me. And he just kind of uh, does things that sometimes like you do in sparring, like when you're not going like a full effort, like you just like, I'm crouching, I'm just going to let you work on my arms. But I think that he kind of doesn't have, to me, techniques. He doesn't have really uh, techniques on the inside defensively a uh, defensive wise and he he's really hittable on the inside now he's very good offensively on the inside he's able to react and 
get punches off, but it's just the awareness of defensively and his guard. It just really gets exposed on the inside. Now, I'm interested to see what a fight with Roman at the center of the ring looks like with both of them looking to pick their spots. I think Roman is very calculated. I think he's very smart. I think he places his shots very well. I think he moves you in the uh, he moves you just a little bit to be able to get the advantage of getting off his shots and moving you into his combinations. Now I don't think he's the fastest guy in the world, but I do think his speed is kind of underrated. I don't think he's the hardest hitting punch in the world, but I think he will fill him. Now same thing with Fulton. I don't think Fulton's the hardest hitting guy in the world, but I think you feel his shots. Now I don't think Fulton has a problem fighting the middle of the ring. And I think a phone a lot of times just reacts to what you're doing. And he's just going to fight the style that you're fighting. So if you want to go to the middle of the ring, he'll do. He'll fight in the middle of the ring. And like I said, his defense will be better when he has a little bit of space. Now, I wonder if Roman's just seeing Fulton have two uh, fight of the year and seeing guys have be effective with their offense on the inside. And they say, let's get on the inside in this fight. But that's just not really what Roman does. Roman likes to pick spots. Now, I'm curious to see if, you know, Fulton, who just, cut, like I said, coming off two very competitive fights, two wars, I would say. You know, how is he going in? Is he as his freshest going into this fight? Is it, those fights have any uh, wear on him? And is there a chance that he is the guy that's coming forward in this fight, looking to apply some pressure? I think. The way Ramon fights, and it's similar to happen to the MJ fight, is because he's so... He's so steady, but there's not a lot of flash to him, or his shots aren't even that flashy. And his, when his shots land, there's not a lot to like, where like you put it, uh, you know, like it stays in your mind, right? Like, oh, that was a big shot. It doesn't really have those. He just kind of works. And it, when you fight MJ, I think MJ was just a little bit flasher than him, and that's what kind of secured him the scorecard. And I'm curious on a fight like this, which might be very close, fight, very competitive. But I think what Fulton's going to do is just going to stand out a lot more. And his shots are going to have, um, they're just going to look cleaner. They're going to wow you more when he lands than when Fulton lands. But I think Fulton's going to do good work as well. But I wonder if he could win a scorecard like that. When you got Fulton who, you know, when he lands and does something, it, it's it's something you remember. And then Roman just kind of steady working. So that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch on, you know, if he there he's able to catch the crowd's attention and crowds to the judges' attention with his with his work. I think it's gonna be a very good fight. I just don't think it's to be the fight that people are expecting. I think it's to be a very strategic fight, a lot of strategy, a lot of fight uh fighting in the middle of the ring and a lot of slight movements to you know to gain the right position that they want. I think uh Fulton's jab might be very it's gonna be uh very important in this fight, right? To keep uh Ramon not you know when Ramon likes to like kind of stare and walk into something and Fulton just able to jab and get him off his spot and keep him, you know, home. And let's see how uh, Fulton's speed is too with Ramon and what adjustment Ramon makes to, you know, s- eliminate that advantage that Fulton will have. Now, I think Fulton's very good when he can box and fight a distance. And I, I'm going to favor him to win this fight, but I am... A little weary of, you know, the last two fights he had. And the what what he, uh, you know, what he was, you know, what he left in the ring, honestly, after those two fights. And all credit to him to fighting tough guys like this. But 
to go after after beating uh, Figueroa straight to Roman is it deserves a lot of credit, but it's also you know very risky because those are just tough opponent. Leo Figueroa Roman, it just that's that's you know it's a murderer's row at one twenty two. So I would not be surprised if Roman wins this fight. I think it's gonna be a very close fight going to the decision. I'm gonna say Fulton pulls it out, and I think it's it could very possibly be a highly disputed fight. On the undercard, you have Morale versus Henderson. Uh, I looked up Henderson a little bit. I don't think he has anything for Morale that um, you know that I would say like uh, watch out for this. This could actually be a, a pretty competitive fight. I don't think so. I think uh, Morale. Is going to be able to do basically what he wants to do in these fights. And, you know, he might be able to end it early. How, you know, he's been doing that. Looking very impressive. Uh, you know, only has six fights and already calling out Dave Benavides. Calling out Plant. Calling out Canelo. So, it's a man that truly believes in himself. And, you know, he's got a top amateur record. And he's just, he's looking to um, make another statement. You know, just uh, once again in uh, Minnesota, make another statement a, a, a have another great performance. On the zone, we have Kenichi Ogawa versus Joe Cordina. In a fight that I'm kind of, I'm really kind of leaning Ogawa. And this is a fight at 130 pounds. And it's a division that I think is not the best, right? I don't think this is the best division, super featherweight. Uh, Shakur Stevenson is probably the best guy in the division. He just beat Valdez. I think Valdez was. You know, that, that was the guy that, to me, those two were in the conversation for the best guy. Now, I see people that do want to see him fight one of these guys, Ogawa or Cordina. I think he beats both of them pretty handily. That doesn't matter. That's that's why they have the fights. I, they're not, they're, you know, they're on different promotions. They're on, both on Matchroom, on DAZN. So, the logistics of that fight seems... um, You know, it seems kind of complicated and... Would they lend those guys to fight Shakur Stevenson? Maybe, possibly. I don't think these guys are like the biggest names in the world. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. They probably don't generate the mo- that much money to where they're like, oh, I can't lose that payday. Maybe they do. Maybe they'll send them over. You know, uh, Gordina's 30 years old. Ogawa is 34, I believe. Let's see here. Yeah, he's 34 years old. I don't know. You know, maybe that gets them a good payday. And as a matchroom, that's what, should, what they want, should want to do for their fighters. So, yeah, the winner of this fight. This will be for the IBF uh, world title. Um, the winner of this fight fighting uh, Shakur in the future. I, I I would pick Shakur to win that fight. Like I said, I don't think this is the strongest division, but I think this is a good matchup. And it's kind of two guys kind of looking for the same thing, I would say. Both guys looking for a big right hand. And I would favor Ogawa in that. I think he's just the stronger, more explosive guy. Now, Cordina is a little bit smoother, I would say. He, when he gets in his... Um, you know, it looks to be a little, little slicker, like the box a little bit. But I just think that Ogawa is just going to be just too much, too much explosiveness. When they're looking for the same shot, I just I can't see Ogawa not landing eventually in this fight. Now, if Cordina, who's thirty, and I think this is his biggest step up, without a doubt, is some uh, somehow able to. You know, because defensively on the inside, he he has some moves. It's not like he's like some wizard or anything like that, but. You know, if he's able to avoid that right hand and apply his game, you know, 
with a guy like Ogawa, if you can eliminate his right hand, you're pretty much limiting his whole weaponry. Then it gets interesting, but I'm going to say I'm going to pick Ogawa in this fight. I'm going to say he gets the stoppage in this fight, and he catches Joe Cordina around the 6th, 7th round with a straight right hand. Also watch uh, Ogawa's left hook. I think he's basically a one, uh, <laughs> a two-punch fighter, and he's going to look to bounce his way in and and you know look to faint you and set you up for just that one big right hand. I think he will, will catch Cordina. I think Cordina might get a little too cute, stand in front of him for a little too long, and I'll take Ogawa to get the knockout here. So that's this weekend of fights. Let's pull up. I forgot to pull up one poster. I want to pull it up right now. That's Cambosos Haney. And, you know, that's the big one. That's the big one. I don't think that that's the best fight to me this weekend. The best fight is to me is Fulton uh, Roman. But that's the big fight this weekend. And let's see. You know, Tank did his thing this past weekend against uh, Roller Romero, which I think everybody kind of expected the result, how, what that was going to look like, how that was going to end. And it ended like that. Now, it's Haney's chance to show that, you know, it's his chance to, you know, really one-up him. And I don't I don't necessarily think he has to do it by even having a better performance. I just think he has, has to win this fight. And like I said, I don't think highly of Cambosos really as a fighter. I think he's like a, about a mid-level fighter. They had a great night against Tiafimo, and Tiafimo had a, a terrible night, and it just worked out. But that's the way it worked out, and the, you can't take anything away from him. That's just, I'm not going to create excuses, right? He won that fight. But I would say, is he going to consistently be at a high level? No. And I think that Haney is going to win this fight fight clearly. But is he going to have the performance where it's complete shutout, he dominates, and he looks like the best guy? at 135 pounds we shall see thank you guys for listening please follow subscribe hit the like button hit that thumbs up and um leave some comments whatever questions follow me on twitter instagram as raw boxing peace